All right, well, that was the opening music to Hondo, released in 1953, and it was released by Warner Brothers, and it was uh, John Wayne's only 3D Western film, and it was directed by John Farrow and stars John Wayne and Geraldine Page, and uh, James Arness was in there, too. Oh, did he look young? Yeah, he did. Uh, and it was uh, also directed by John Ford, which was he was uncredited for the final battle scenes uh, because I guess John Farrow had another commitment that he had to get to. Um, but uh, we can talk more about that as we get into the movie. Uh, you're listening to Classic Movie Reviews, and you can find us on the internet at classicmoviereviews.net and on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash classicmoviereviews. And I'm Matt Johnson coming to you from North Bend. And this is Bob Johnson in Los Angeles. We're welcoming everybody back, too, to uh, Hondo. Uh, this was a film that John Wayne really pushed to have made in three, 3D. And I remember as a kid, 3D was all the rage in 1951 and 52. Man, I, I think I saw all of those. with the, I, had a, I had a whole set of those funny-looking glasses because they give you a new oh, one every cool. time you went. And um, I think my favorite was the... Uh, Wax Museum with Vincent Price was in 3D. But I remember seeing this movie in uh, Lewistown in 3D at the other theater that we had there, the Georgiana. And uh, it was fun to see. And I read where there is no current copy of the 3D version of this film available for distribution. I did my best to find a copy. There's a restored Blu-ray version, and I was like, oh, this has got to have the 3D on it but no it doesn't so yeah you're right there's no 3d there's no way to watch it in 3d right now unfortunately but speaking of the wax museum in 3d i do have that one on blu-ray 3d and that one's awesome in we'll 3D. have to add that to our collection he's really a <laughs> yeah. mad scientist in that one but yeah, uh, um the thing that uh, uh john farrell and john wayne thought about 3d is that it also gave a different field of vision even if it wasn't the the 3D, the 3D special effects that you could see with the tomahawk or whatever, but it, they liked the way it looked just in general on the screen because of the of the uh, 3D effect. And as I watched it this time, I could see some of that. It's it's a little different view, don't you think? Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, there's it. It just looks a little different than the other uh, westerns that I've seen from this time period and. I don't know if it's the colors richer or like the perspective was a little different. I, I couldn't quite put my finger on it, but I noticed it for sure. Um, the other thing I noticed about the film, well, it came out in 3D, but it was at the kind of the end of the 3D craze. And so a lot of the releases that were made of this film were not in 3D. I, I was fortunate since I went to see it probably the first weekend it came to town. I saw the 3D version. Um, and the thing I thought about this time that I hadn't really considered before is it has some elements from the movie of Shane. There's some pieces to that that, that kind of remind me of Shane. There's the small boy, there's the dog, although that dog has a lot of attitude. <laughs> it sure does. Yeah, John Wayne is like very, yeah, John Wayne's very adamant that he doesn't, own the dog or control the dog and the dog it's up to the dog if he wants to hang out with with him or not it must be right lonely around here especially for a woman oh i don't mind i was raised here 
What can I feed your dog? Nothing, thanks. He makes out by himself. And I'll run any rabbit in the territory. Oh, it's no trouble at all. If you don't mind, ma'am, I'd rather you didn't feed him. Oh, I see. You don't want him to get in the habit of taking food from anyone else. Well, you can hand it to him. No, ma'am, I don't feed him either. Sam's independent. He doesn't need anybody. I want him to stay that way. It's a good way. Well, everyone needs someone. Yes, ma'am, most everyone. Too bad, isn't it? You're a good cook, ma'am. Thank you. Woman should be a good cook. Good cook myself. I didn't really think about Shane when I was watching it, but when you texted that to me, I was like, oh, yeah. It, the ending is, is different than Shane. Yeah. Uh, so it, it doesn't have sort of the melancholy feeling of Shane. It has a more upbeat ending, I guess, um, in some ways. But, yeah, it is a lot of parallels. And uh, her husband was certainly not the Van Heflin character. He was uh, Leo Gordon's Ed Lowe was was not a was not a good guy. No, not at all. Not at all. He was a real loser. Uh, in real life, uh, my my good friend that I that I uh, delivered groceries to for years was close friends with uh, Leo Gordon and that guy's Leo Gordon was quite a creative person. He wrote a lot of screenplays and stories and television plays. Uh, and he also served 5 years in San Quentin. For, oh, armed, for armed robbery way early. Oh, on, my gosh. You know, like in the early, late 40s, early 1950s. So uh, he was he was quite an individual, according to John. So um, the plot, pretty straightforward, huh? Yeah, it's got a great opening scene. It's got, it's almost, it reminded me a little bit of um, Lawrence of Arabia, where, where it just kind of holds on that, horizon line and then this figure starts to appear out of the distance and it's very sort of mysterious and enigmatic the way that john wayne enters the enters into the movie at the beginning and and uh i was struck by how physically fit he was in that film because he was still yeah, a young he looked man really yeah, good. He, did. He, did. he looked yeah. the part and he was a scout for the army but he had a strong affinity that the uh, first nation people uh, particularly in this film, the Apaches had been holding the peace, but the uh, treaty that they had signed, I guess there had been some uh, misuse of that by the army, and the Apaches were uh, most upset by that. Mr. Lane? Yes, ma'am? You're right, I was lying. My husband is overdue. He should have been home long ago. Well, your Apaches killed him? Of course not. There are a hundred possible explanations. Indians are one of them. But we're at peace with the Apache, except for Mrs. a few Law, renegades. Mrs. you've got good sense, you'll pack up you and that boy of yours and come out with me. There's trouble brewing in the Apache lodges. The Torio, their main chief, called a war council. Full report of it's in that dispatch I'm carrying. But you don't know. We've always gotten along splendidly with the Apache. They drink and bring their horses to our spring on their way north to the buffalo hunt. I've never seen the Great Vittorio, but there have been plenty of Apaches here. Well, I've seen the Great Vittorio before the treaty. This horse had 40 scalps hung in its mane. That was before the treaty. We broke that treaty, us whites. 
There's no word in the Apache language for lie, and they've been lied to. I'm always a little leery of watching some of these westerns when they have like First Nations people in them, um, and I'm just thinking, well, they're going to be stereotyped as the savage, you know. And in this movie, there's a, quite a few scenes where John Wayne is advocating for the rights of the First Nation people, and and he even is part Apache himself, apparently, and was uh, living with the Apaches for five years and had kids and had a family with them. And Morning. Getting an early start. Be sure and tell that little man goodbye for me. I ought to wake him to say goodbye to you. Well, to me, I'd let him sleep. Youngsters grow sleeping. But you do what you want to. He was so delighted with that whistle you made for him. <laughs> Glad to hear it. He and I got along just fine. It's more like a flute than a whistle. It ranges almost the full scale. I learned to make them when I was living with a Mescalera. My squaw used to make them for every kid in the lodge. You lived with the Apache? Five years. And you had an Indian wife? Wife, squaw. Oh, I took the liberty of borrowing a few feet of rope over that coil in the lean-to. Gladly pay you for it if you'll let me. Of course not. The hills are so beautiful today. Odd how clear they always are after a dust storm. Must have been very interesting, living with the Apache. I liked it. This Indian wife you have. Had. She's dead. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to bring up an unhappy memory. I can't remember anything unhappy about Distardi. Distardi? How musical. What does it mean? You can't say it except in Mescalero. It means morning. But that isn't what it means either. It means more than just that. Indian words mean the sound and feel of a word, like crack of dawn, first bronze light that makes the butte stand out against the gray desert. Or the first sound you hear of a brook curling over some rocks with trout jim. It's like when you get up in the first light, just you and her, and you go out of a wiki up, where it smells kind of smoky and private, just you and her, and kind of safe with just the two of you. Stand outside and feel the bite of the first wind coming down from the high divide. Promises snowfall. Yeah. Can't say it in English, but. That was her name. It started. I wondered, you know, if they could have, if they could have gotten away without having him be part Apache, if he if he could have just been a white man that that was supportive of their rights. But I, I don't know. It, that was a minor thing to me. The uh, in keeping with the times in the nineteen forties, nineteen fifties, the uh, chief. Uh, of the uh, Apaches, uh, what is his name? Uh, Michael Pate, I think. Michael Pate played Vittoro. And, and Michael Pate is uh, from Australia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I just watched another film uh, 
yesterday actually it's a uh, the PT109 film about John Kennedy in, in the naval service in World War II and there's Michael Pate as an Australian planter in an island in the Pacific <laughs> like that guy gets around but uh, he did a good job it's just I, 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 again it's hard for me to take 2021 and forget it and go back to 1954 53 I thought about that last night I was listening to a podcast from a couple from a, a musician that I like who started a podcast with his wife and some friends during the pandemic and they were reviewing uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind and they they kept framing the film in expectations that they would have in 2020 like the special effects and the pacing and the portrayal of the family and how many white people were in the movie <laughs> you know, it's like and I thought, you know, this is, it's an easy thing to, to do. It's an easy thing to kind of fall into that uh, construct of like looking at the film from a modern perspective. And it, I think it really misses, I think they really missed a lot of the nuance and all, they, I think they missed a lot of the enjoyment of the film by doing that. And it's so much more interesting to me to try to put yourself back into like 1953 and think about what this movie was like then. And I think this movie would have been pretty out there in terms of advocating for first nations people and john wayne just basically saying the white man broke the treaty and and like you said the apache were were following the treaty and as we know that was that's something that has happened constantly throughout history numerous times so well speaking from the perspective of a 11 year old sitting on the 10th row at the theater seeing it for the first time in 3d in the in, in my youth I thought it was really different from other westerns that I had seen around that time. You know, Gene Autry, Roy Rogers, Hopalong Cassidy, and on and on and on. But I, I, I wouldn't have picked up on some of these things that today come to my mind. But I just remember that it was different in the way he showed up and in the plot. He immediately starts to repair things at the ranch of, of uh, the woman and her son and he, he's he's kind of like uh, it, it's almost like he he's missed that part of his life because he's had to be out on the trail as a scout and he wants to pick it back up again and that's the part yeah. that reminded me of Shane because Shane shows up and immediately starts helping Van Heflin take out that tree the roots of that yep. tree and here's Wayne yep. and he's it takes him about two minutes to figure out that she doesn't know where her husband is, that he's basically left the two of them out there in the middle of the treaty area that was set aside for the Apaches. And uh, Well, and, and he, he, he knows based on the state of the horseshoes and the, you know, the, the general kind of rundownness of the farm that, that she's not able to kind of keep it up on her own and that clearly um, her husband hasn't been around. And I love the scene where he tries to break the horse, you know, and he's riding the horse around the corral, and the horse is trying to buck him off. That w- that must have been fun to watch. Oh yeah, in a tenth oh. row with three D glasses. Yeah, and you can see in the film the the things that they did to make use of the three D. You know, the the spear, the tomahawk, the horse. And I, I I wanted to also mention that the the stunt double for John Wayne when he was riding that horse really did look like him. Oh yeah, they I did couldn't a good tell. Job I, I was looking that. for it, but yeah, totally. And then I loved watching him do the horseshoe repair. 
You don't see that kind he of detail. He looked like he was really yeah, doing it, did. didn't he? Usually you don't see that kind of detail in a, in a film like this, but uh, now he 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 might have been able to do that because he had a lot of outdoor things that he did. I don't know. Well, and he's he he was a good horse rider and and uh, had obviously been out on the range quite a bit filming these movies. I know that's not the same as like living out there as a ranch hand or something, but. Um, I, I love the first 30 minutes of the movie. The first 30 minutes of the movie is, is this whole kind of scene of the two of them and the little boy on the, on the farm or the ranch or whatever you want to call it. And, and uh, she's, she's clearly happy to have him there. At the same time, she's kind of leery of him. And she finds out that his name is Hondo and that she knows that this guy had killed three people like a year before. Put that gun down. You're Hondo Lane, the gunman. I carry a gun. Don't come any nearer. You killed three men in a gunfight last year. We heard about it. Three men. Yes, ma'am. Just as quick as I could. Don't come any nearer. It's not a very good idea to point one of these things at anybody with an empty chamber under the firing pin. You can see it plain as day. I keep it that way because of Johnny. Well, now it's loaded. Keep it that way. And keep it high. Please stay. I really want you to. I'm sorry, I should have realized from the beginning that you are a gentleman. Civilized, gentlemen, all a lot for one day. Night, ma'am. And what struck me about the pacing of this was that just how slow things traveled back then, and how he was in no real rush to, to leave. He was just like, well, I'll help you break the horse and I'll reshoe the horseshoes and I'll we'll cut firewood and we'll repair you know we'll repair things around here and sharpen the axe blade and it's just sort of like you said he he seemed to be enjoying himself but and I think at this time of life in in the country it, that was just kind of the pace of things like he he couldn't just jump in a car and drive someplace on a freeway you know and get to where he wanted to be in 30 minutes oh definitely so, yeah I, I think they really hold true to that part of it uh, I, th I think for me, the the first half of the film is exactly what you're describing, and then it sort of changes a bit, and then it ends in, in um, that chase of the, the wagon train and the circle maneuvers, and the part that John Ford directed is more like a traditional film than the first half. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when he leaves the when he leaves the homestead i guess is probably the best way to describe it uh he goes back to the outpost where the army is situated and uh it's you know i, I think he's sort of like really disin disillusioned with the whole thing and, and yeah. realizes that he he wants to go back to the homestead and that he he actually was falling in love with her and and 
That was pl the woman was played by Geraldine Page, and what was her character name? Angie Lowe. Angie uh, Lowe. Uh, uh, yeah. And her six-year-old son Johnny, played by Lee Aker. And and then he real and then he 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 uh, gets in a bar fight with somebody that you know d is sort of uh, disparaging his character, I guess. <laughs> And then he's accused of stealing a horse yes. because somebody recognizes that that was the Lowe's horse, and and John John Wayne's like, yeah, I didn't steal this horse, I bought it, and I'm I'm actually going to return it. And he gets on the horse and rides off, and the dog chases after him. And and but, yeah, and Ed Lowe, the the uh, missing husband, insists that that army guy pursue him and 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 make it right. And the guy says basically says, I'm not pursuing him anywhere. I believe him. See, Sergeant, just like I told you. That's my horse, all right. Got my brand on it, E.L. Edlow. What he says is true? Yeah, it's his horse. Where'd you get him? From his ranch. That's where I'm taking him back. That's where he can pick him up. But that's Indian territory. Strict orders against any whites going in there. You know something, Joe? I got a bad ear. I can't hear a thing you're saying. Want you to refer charges against him? He may be a mean, ornery son of anything you want to call him, but he ain't no horse thief. And I'm not going to call him one. To his face or his back. He didn't say it in those yeah, words. He's, he's not a horse-stealing kind no. of guy. Yeah. Besides... That's uh, right. It was, it was Ed Lowe. It was, uh, it was the husband. Yeah. The husband. And we, and we know right away in, this, in these scenes that, uh, that he's a, not a good guy. And clearly he's kind of a drunkard and a rabble-rouser and somebody who's just kind of getting in trouble and and then he follows john wayne kind of at a distance there's a kind of a a, a fight with some first nation people uh, at a watering hole and he kind of gives them a chance like i don't want to kill you but then ed Lowe pulls a gun on him and he's got to he's got to kill him and he feels terrible about it, but it's sort of like, well, he didn't really have a choice because it was either him or, or Ed Lowe. You know, there was a there was a wonderful scene a little bit earlier where the dog is in the doorway, and and Ed Lowe says, "Have your dog move." <laughs> oh yeah, I thought they were going to have it out right then because that dog, he didn't like people anyway, but he really didn't like Ed Lowe. Well, and and Ed Lowe was about ready to kick him, and John yeah. was like. You do that, and you're gonna you're gonna pay for it. But he's got his <laughs> rifle in his hand. Yeah. Uh, I I have a I have a memory of uh, my my friend John talking about Leo Gordon, and he said Leo made a career out of playing these kinds of roles, and when uh, Mr. Gordon was he won the Golden Boot Award, back in the 1990s, and his acceptance speech was, and I quote, "Thank heavens for character parts." <laughs> yeah, because he yeah. played a bunch of them. Uh, yeah, he was good. I mean, he was he was good in the role. Um, he just looks like a bad guy, doesn't he? Yeah, trouble. So, kind of like concurrent with all this happening back on the homestead, uh, Vittorio, who's the uh, chief of the Apache tribe, um, is is visiting is visiting uh, Angie Lowe and and her son and. And they almost, uh, they're almost at a point where they're going to kill the two of them. But then the little boy like stands up and confronts yeah. them and is so brave that 
Vittorio's like, oh, you're you're like an Apache boy, and they, they become blood brothers, and they kind of adopt them into the tribe. I know this isn't like realistic, quote unquote, but if you if you kind of gloss over some of the details and you think about the fact that the Apache were trying to like live with these people and trying to find a place for them in the tribe and kind of considered them part of the tribe. It's a really different way that they're being portrayed in this movie than a lot of movies where they're just sort of this faceless enemy that's, you know, got to be killed and is evil and, you know, it's you don't even actually ever meet any of the of them. But here we get to know Vittorio pretty well and have a lot of interaction with him and and Angie and and the little boy who I keep I don't remember his name. Uh, Johnny. Johnny, yeah, Johnny Low. Well, and then to to uh, kind of follow up with Vittorio, he decides, uh, this is a later scene, he brings back some potential husbands for her. Because he, yeah. she's by herself. <laughs> she doesn't quite know what to do with that. I thought the Apache were always silent. Not when they seek score. You pick one. What? Not good for a small warrior to be without father to teach him how to be a man. This is the one I was calling Emiliano. Very brave, has taken many scalps. Just six horses and two squaws. But one old and will soon die. Marteza, is a good hunter. Never hungry, his wiki up. This is the one I was called Clure. Ten horses, one score. Sachito, brave warrior, many horses. Not much beat scores. Sings very loud. Boy, go stand by my horse. Yes, Victoria. Small warrior, never to see tears. Apache does not weep. Chief, you can't make me do this. I'm married. You are a fool. Your man dead. Soon come planting rain. If your man come home by then, good. If not, you take Apache breath. That was that. I, that, I, that was. <laughs> I remember when I saw that in the theater. I didn't. I didn't see that coming at all. Here, here's a group of people that. Here's some guys that might you might want to marry. And they all have their little, like, little, they do a little show about yeah. their skills, you know, horse riding skills and <laughs> bow and like, arrow skills. And, uh, yeah. I mean, that to me, I hadn't seen that before in any Westerns either. Yeah, and, and I don't, again, like, I, I think it's characterized there in a certain way. And, and I like that we kind of got to know more about how the tribe worked and, 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 you know, it's, it's, there's a, there's a line I think later in the movie, it's really one of the last lines of the movie where uh, they've sort of escaped the whole attack of the tribe and they're kind of riding off. And then one of the other people says, well, the cavalry's coming and they're going to wipe out these uh, these Apaches. And John John Wayne's character says, They're not following. Leader's dead. They'll powwow we pick a new one. We're out of trouble if we get a move on. And am I going to get to drive? Before we get to San Dimas, you'll be a top teamster, son. Hiya, Lieutenant. Fine, thanks to you. And you're all right, thanks to Lenny. He shot that Indian off in your back. Thanks. With your rifle. It's his. Don't look like we'll be needing it much more today. 
General Crook will be here within a month with a large force. That'll be the end of the Apache. Yeah. End of a way of life. Too bad. It's a good way. Wagons forward! And I thought that was such a poignant thing that he said there. And, and you kind of like get a taste of it a little bit throughout the movie of kind of what their life was like. I could almost see when the directors changed from John Farrell, who did the first two-thirds of the film, and John Ford took over for the uh, wagon train chase. That, that, that was so much like a John Ford film, that part of it. It was just different. We've seen that before in movies like Stagecoach and others, where there's always that race against time and, and possible death. I mean, if there was going to be another director that comes in, that was a good place for them to take over because, I mean, John Ford knows how to direct that kind of action. It was very exciting. Uh, yeah, so we, we skipped over a little bit there. So Hondo comes back and uh, sort of, they kind of pick up where they'd left off and they're, they're sort of, he's just sort of living there with them. And he's getting really close with Johnny and teaching him how to fish and, He's starting to feel bad that he hasn't told Angie that he killed her husband. And then it comes out when the cavalry rides through that he did that and, and Angie overhears it and Hondo thinks that she's upset about it. But it turns out that she really didn't like that guy. No. <laughs> she wasn't sad about it at all. I, th it, I, I think if I remember correctly, the, uh, her husband and herself were the only two people in this whole territory and they sort of drifted together and got married because they didn't know anybody else. And she didn't really Basically. feel that close to him at all. And I, I love the, the scenes where Wayne is teaching the young boy how to swim. Where's your mother? Eating water, Chris. Any luck? Not a bite this morning. Oh. You see where the sun is? Up there. Yeah, on the back of your neck. You're casting a shadow. If you can see it, the fish can see it. Always fish with the sun in your face. The other bank's the place. That is, if you want my opinion. Gosh, Umbrado, I want your opinion. But Mama won't let me go over there. Why not? I can't swim. You can't what? I can't swim. How old are you? Six. Let me learn. Everybody should swim. Just reach out in front of you and grab a handful of water. Pull it back towards you. Not too fast. That's the way I learned. I did it, Amarato! I did it! Good. Well, how will he get back? Swim. Well, he might drown. Well, then you go get it. Well, I can't swim either. Oh yeah, yeah. And then, and then, and then, and then she says, "Well, I don't know how to swim." And then, jo then Hondo looks at her, and she, she looks at him, and she runs she away. Like, don't off. throw me into the creek. So that was that was that was good because you could tell. You know, this is like uh, letting the viewer know that they're getting closer and closer together, and uh, she she persuades him not to tell Johnny what happened to her to his real father. Well, I thought that was really interesting because he, he's 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 adamant about telling the truth, and 
she basically says, well, you're just being selfish by doing that. Like, what are you actually gaining? How is this going to actually help him and help me? And, you know, why you're just doing this for yourself and you're not, you, you say that you're doing it because you think it's the right moral thing to do and that, that Johnny should know. But he, she has a really great argument that sometimes the truth is not the best thing. And, you know, I, I'm sure somewhere down the road when he's older, he'll find out. But I, I like that that they decided not to tell him and that they just wanted, they were just going to form this little family un, unit and go out to uh, Hondo's property in California. They had, they had some really nice scenes that way. Uh, and I remember he's earlier in the film, he said that there was no word in the Apache language for a lie. I thought that was really interesting. I don't know if that's true or not, but uh it's very telling. the the uh, The other thing I wanted to mention is Geraldine Page, and uh, when she was selected for this part, there was a lot of surprise because she had really been more a theatrical stage actress and hadn't done a lot of films. And uh, I thought the the chemistry was really on screen was really excellent, but I guess off screen and in their interactions, they didn't get along all that well. They were so different just different personalities, different types. But the thing I wanted to mention about Geraldine Page is one of the nicest films I think I've ever seen is A Trip to Bountiful from 1985. She plays the lead in that. She wants to get home to where she grew up in this little deserted Texas town. And she was oh, absolutely yeah, spectacular in that film, and she won the Academy Award for it for Best Actress. So she did have a long career, but it was... It was primarily in the stage, in New York stage and that sort of thing. I liked it because she was a refreshing character. She just she brought a different element to it than, than almost like Gene Arthur's character in Shane. Again, uh, they just brought a real whole different approach to that to that person. I liked that a lot. There was a lot of lines that were memorable in this movie. There was another one where she says that she's homely and, you know, why would you ever want to be with somebody like me? And he basically just says, I don't care about that. I, what I care about is a person's character. She was a tough woman. She was able to stand up to her fear of, of being alone and being abandoned and raising her son by herself and trying to keep this homestead going. And she didn't seem scared of the Apaches that would visit because they'd always gotten along. Her character would be believable today in a film. Oh, totally. This is another one of these movies that felt more, way more modern than what I would have expected from a movie from 1952-53. I agree, except for the the stage, uh, the uh, the wagon train battle. That was that was 1940s all over. Don't you feel like they almost felt like they had to put that yeah. in there for the action for scene? the audience. You almost could get away with not even having that whole section of the film, and it would still be a really good movie. Totally. One aside on the, on the locations for the film, I'd never seen any locations like that before in a movie when I went to see it in 1953. Uh, I, but I'm struck now as I watched it again, there seemed to be two locations. There was the one where it was... The springs, and, and it was kind of a desert, deserty looking area. And then when he's fishing, and, and he gets thrown in, the when Johnny gets thrown in the, the water to learn how to swim, all those big trees and everything, that seemed like 
it it was a different location. I never saw those in the other in the other area. I I'm glad you mentioned that because I actually got confused if if like some amount of time had passed and they'd moved to another location, like they were no longer at that homestead and they'd gone to California or something because it was so different. And, and but then but then they switched back to the the homestead location kind of out in the desert, and I thought, well. Okay, I, I, yeah, I didn't really try. I, I, I rationalized it in my mind saying, well, that's a part of the, the location that we haven't seen on film. I guess. <laughs> but it was Maybe so different. Was the back 40. It was so different. <laughs> yeah. uh, for me, I, the, the rating on the film for me is a, a seven. Uh, the first half is, is much higher, and the second half with the wagon train pursuit is probably a, a five because it was... It was not not really new, although the circling and then running and then circling and running that was different. But overall, a seven. How, how about you? As you think about it, I was yeah seven or eight. I I'd probably go with a seven as well. That's sort of the number that I had as I was watching it, just for the same reasons and as as progressive as this movie seems to be for 1953 it's still got quite a few of those tropes and stereotypes of first nation people and um you know we wouldn't it have been cool if we could have visited the apache village and like actually seen like some of their home life and like met some of the other people there and that that could be a really interesting movie if if like the first half of the film was was on the homestead with Hondo and, and Angie and Johnny and then and then we switched to them going to the Apache village for half an hour and like really getting to know them and then maybe the last third of the movie is like a conflict where they just get swept up in historical events and yeah, they out and, of their control you know, even even though they like yeah the out of their control and even though they on a personal level have this relationship and and don't and and get along and there's no animosity they still end up having through through circumstances out of their control like you said it just all falls apart now that could be a really interesting film i think i still keep waiting for a film that would be like that do you do you think dances with wolves was it's been so long since i've seen Uh, that but it's i remember that they went to the the, he kind of lived with the the first nation people for a while i I don't know i'd have to go back and watch there have been some it's just I, I, I would be really anxious to see more of that and what that life was like and and how it was changed forever by the incursion, uh, incursion of railroads and all, all that. So we're coming in at a 7 or an, or an 8, and um, wouldn't it have been nice to watch it in 3D? Oh, my gosh. I, I would Someday. really like to do that, yeah. That might have bumped it up another number for me. <laughs> I, you know that <laughs> would have I, been cool. I bet that wagon train chase was 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 really do, uh, fun to watch in 3D. I just don't remember that. Oh yeah, it would have made it more interesting. That's for sure. Wanted to mention that our next podcast is we're switching to a hybrid musical comedy western, and our first uh, in that series is Annie Get Your Gun from 1950 that is available on a, several streaming services so no one would have trouble finding it. And then we'll follow that up with some others, Calamity Jane, Paint Your Wagon, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, and we'll wrap up that segment with The Sound of Music, written by my favorite director, 
Robert Weiss. Yeah, we're working our way up to the sound of music. Okay, uh, awesome. Well, that was our review of Hondo. And coming to you from North Bend, this is Matt. And here in Los Angeles is Bob wishing everybody happy movie watching. <laughs>